Welcome once again to Unprofessional. I'm Lex Friedman, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend and yours, Dave Wiskus. Hello. And today, we are fortunate to have not our first, but our second rogue amoebin, Krista Mergen. Hello. Krista, did I say your last name right? Uh, that's fine. It's not exactly right, but I'll take it. Teach it. I, I think we got Paul's wrong, too. What is exactly right? You know, honestly, I, I, don't, I don't really even say it correctly myself, as it's, uh, you know, it's my second last name. My original last name was Dickman, which is very unfortunate. <laughs> so, um, so I took Mergen um, gladly, but um, it's actually Mergan. You have so, to say it like that. Only, yeah. Only not, it should flow better than, than what I just did. So when you I said I was it. close, you were really being extremely generous. Yes. <laughs> that's not a kafasis kafasis thing. That's that's like a different word. Well, right. when I say Mergen, you know, it's fine. Mergan. I realized as I was getting closer and closer to the her name, I was like, oh, God, I don't know how to pronounce Krista's last name at all. I'm terrified. <laughs> Mergan. I'm sticking with Krista. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Let's go with that. Yeah. And Lex, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, Friedmun. It's Lex Friedmun. <laughs> <laughs> it's Swedish, like me. Uh, Krista, tell us, I mean, I know, Dave knows, but tell us who you are, what you do. Uh, my name is Krista, and I, uh, I work at Rogue Amoeba. I'm a um, designer there, so that's sort of a catch-all thing, but I design interfaces mostly and design whatever needs designing, really. Ads and whatnot. Mostly beautiful fun to use applications for your Mac and iOS devices. Nice. That sounded scripted. <laughs> it was not. Not at all. She's just that good, Dave. How'd you get into this? How'd you get into this crazy world that we're in? Yeah, you know, I was I was inspired by um, Nevin, and I really wanted to get out of the industry that I was working in. So I was um, a compositor. Basically, that's like um, Photoshop for video. I was a compositor at this little animation studio um, in Portland called Bent Image Lab for a few years, and that was really fun. I also worked for Oregon Public Broadcasting doing the same thing, compositor. Um, it was really great, but um, just TV deadlines are crazy, and you have to work a lot of long, long days. And sort of, it's this, it was a sort of place where like someone would come by my office around, or sorry, not by my office, but, um, by my desk around like four o'clock in the afternoon and be like, oh, what do you want for dinner? A home life. And I'd be like, well, I, I was going out with my friends for dinner. And oh, oh, oh no, you didn't know that you're staying? Oh, you know, so it's like a, a production assistant's like asking me what I want for dinner when the producer hasn't asked me if I want to stay, that sort of a thing. Um, but that would happen like three days a week. Um, and I just got kind of burnt out on that whole system. Um, and just the sort of really long hours and crazy deadlines and that sort of thing. Um, and right around then, right when I was getting kind of burnt out, the iPhone came out. And I was like, wow, this is an amazing piece of technology. And I had never really even considered designing interfaces before um, I saw the iPhone. It was just like this new thing that sort of leveled the playing field for everyone. It was like, oh, well, you know, people I know that um, design other things are all of a sudden they're making these great things for the iPhone. And it's like, oh, that's something I could do, you know, like that would be really cool. And I could, I could make something for this. Um, and then of course, Paul hired me and I don't do much iOS design. I, I, we do have one iOS um, app, but it's mostly Mac software that I designed. But anyway, that's, that's um, the iPhone is really what got me interested in it. That's funny that that's not too far off from my own story. It was absolutely the iPhone that got me pulled mm -hmm. into doing design work. I'd never really cared before that. Yeah, but it was so like revolutionary and amazing, right. and it was a totally different thing, right? So it's like this whole new operating system where everyone is sort of starting from the same place, pretty much. Now you mentioned you were uh, inspired by by uh, somebody named Nevin. Who is this person? W would that be Nevin Murdagan? That would be Nevin Murdagan. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, this this really um, attractive guy who's just kind of brilliant, and um, I don't know if you know this, he made the first um, the first third party application for the iPhone because it was a web app, and I don't, I don't, when they when the iPhone first came out, there was no SDK, and um, so Nevin made this little um, shopping list app yeah, shopping called list. One Trip. Yeah, so um, I was yeah I was like blown away by that, like oh yeah, this is something I could do. You know, I could design things for the iPhone, and it didn't. Um, you know, it didn't take him too much time to make that. Of course, that was before the SDK came out. And so it was a, a simpler, those were simpler times, I guess, in some ways, but also very limited. Um, but yeah, I was I was just inspired by that. And so I thought, ah, that's something that could be fun for me. And eventually it was. I don't know if I've ever said this to Nevin. I think I have. But uh, that, that app, that one trip was uh, part of what pulled me into this as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know him at the time. Nice. Just, uh, it was the, it, well... I saw it linked. It was the first third party anything. And that right. was when uh, the world was kind of realizing that, that there could be this future of apps and what would that look like? I mean, that's, it was really exciting. It was a, a brand new frontier. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Nevin's making the, the first ever app, the web app, and it's for the iPhone. So I'm guessing this is around 2007. Right. Mm -hmm. Are you already married at that point? Um, no, we didn't get married until 2008. So we were living together. I don't know if we were technically what you would call engaged. I don't think we were. I think we were just living together at that point. Scandalous. I know. Um, okay, so then, so take me back further. Then, how is it that you, you and Nevin first crossed paths? How do you meet? Oh, we met um, at a party at his house when I was home um, visiting. From I lived in California. Where in California? Um, I lived in Yosemite National Park, actually, at that point. Ah. And um, but I was just about to go back to school in Arcata. Um, how do you live in a national park? Um, it's fantastic. And everyone in their early twenties, I encourage them to do this. Um, so I actually worked for the concessionaire. You can work for either the park service or, the, um, the concessionaire that, that runs, you know, like the restaurants and hotels and things in, inside a national park. And so I worked for, um, the company that does that in Yosemite, um, and they're called Delaware North Corporation and they're kind of a big evil corporation. But anyway, it let me live and work in Yosemite National Park. Um, so yeah, I worked at a, um, Were there a lot of bears? There were a lot of bears, yeah. Um, you have to be very careful with your car. You can't leave any food or anything that smells in your car. You have to lock it up at night. But I actually worked very remotely in the backcountry. Um, I worked at two different High Sierra camps where you have to hike in, and all of our supplies came in on mule train, like carried in by <laughs> mules. Um, it was pretty great. Wow. Um, yeah, the, the farthest one was 14 miles from a road, and that took about like a, that was like a five-hour walk. And the other one was eight miles from a road, which was much easier. It was like two and a half, three hours. Um, yeah, so that's what I did all summer, and it was great. Um, and then I went back to school, you know, during the year. I did that for a little while. Anyway, I was home visiting um, my parents um, and staying at my mom's house. And this friend of mine from high school was going to some party at a guy's house. And I was like, yeah, let's, you know, let's go. And um, so we show up at this apartment, and um, this guy answers the door wearing, like, a flowered apron. And, yeah, he was pretty cute. But he had made, like, his apartment smelled amazing, and he had made this um, incredible um, lasagna. It was like a vegetarian lasagna, um, too, and um, it was amazing. So, <laughs> no, yeah. it, it, When he said it was a vegetarian lasagna, are you, yeah. are you a vegetarian? Were you a vegetarian? No, then? I was a vegetarian at the time, so I was pretty impressed. You've given up on vegetarianism since? Yeah, it was a slow decline, really. Um, I became a pescatarian, you know, so I ate fish and mollusks and things um, in my early 20s, and then... About like 25, 26, I started eating chicken and turkey. I still don't eat ducks. They're too nice. Um, 
But then when I was pregnant, I was anemic, and the doctor was like, you know, it'd be all right to eat some red meat. It's really, it's really um, pretty good for you and for the baby, and a lot of iron there. So that was that was the end. It was a slippery slope, and I was like, oh well, as soon as I'm not anemic anymore, um, and you know, the baby is weaned, then I'm definitely going back to pescatarianism, or at least you know, not eating red meat. But yeah, that hasn't happened, and the baby's 18 months <laughs> red, old. Red it's meat so is good. good for babies. Um, well, it's not, it's not terrific, but it, there's a lot of, you know, the, the protein is good and the fat is actually really good for brain development and there's a lot of iron. So yeah, it's actually pretty good. I'm going to take a nice big bloody steak over my neighbor's <laughs> kid then. I love red meat, but I, uh, starting, I don't know, um, close to 2012. So like eight years ago or nine years ago, I decided I was going to sharply limit my red meat intake. So now I only allow myself two servings per month. Wow. So I really, really look forward to those because I'm, I'm nice. definitely a carnivore and a meat eater. But when I'm going to, you know, sometimes it actually sneaks up to three or four. But when, whenever those happen, it's a very exciting time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would say I don't eat a ton of it now. Um, you know, the meat that I eat is mostly chicken and fish still. But but I do eat, you know, bacon on the weekends and ah, oh, it's so good. I feel terrible, <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> Is there a version of vegetarianism that uh, allows me to eat bacon? Because I could go for that. I've thought seriously <laughs> about going vegetarian recently, but I don't think I could give up bacon. Yeah, I really had no problem with it for years. I mean, I started, um, I became a vegetarian at like 16. So it was a really long time. Um, but now it's just the dark side. Perhaps it is just a phase and I'll I'll come back to my senses, but we'll see. I'm tempted to go vegetarian because it's already, I, I have so many problems with food. I, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not a foodie and people hate traveling with me because it's always a weird food problem. There's only certain <laughs> things I eat. There's a long list of things I won't eat. Oh, Hong Kong yeah. was hell. <laughs> like going to China, I mean, it wasn't mainland China, but still, I remember going down, there's uh, outside the hotel on the street, there's this like concession stand guy and he had this, uh, this tank, this big tank full of scorpions and he would, he had this stick and you'd walk up and you'd give him a few Hong Kong dollars and he would take a stick and he'd shove it in there and get a scorpion on the stick, still wiggling around, and then he'd deep fry it. Wow. That's he'd, terrifying. Then he'd hand it to you. <laughs> What's, I mean, I could never be a vegetarian because I'm so lousy at eating vegetables. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm working. I mean, growing up, I really ate none. And my only fruits were apples and bananas. And so I've broadened my horizons a bit, but I'm still... Uh, I need to broaden my vegetable horizons that I'm working. I, I try to use my kids as motivation <laughs> where, you know, they, my kids start their lunches and dinners each day with a vegetable course. And then they have whatever the main course is. And then the final course is fruit. And so I try to match whatever they're eating, but, uh, I bail out like four out of seven nights a week. Um, so I'm a terrible dad is my point. No, but so if I had to be a vegetarian for some reason, I, I think that would be very, very difficult for me. But, oh, you know, and I have to tell you that when I see, I'm just trying to imagine. So you said lasagna that Nevin had prepared at this party. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that seems like potentially, and it was a vegetarian lasagna, so I'm guessing it was chock full of vegetables, so I wouldn't have eaten it. But, you know, now the days Nevin posts the food items that he creates on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever. Yes. And I'm pretty sure I have never seen him post a picture of something that I would willingly eat. <laughs> What? Well, you're crazy. We, we might also want to mention he doesn't just post pictures of the food on Instagram and on Twitter. He also talks about it on a show called Salt and Fat right here on the Mule Radio. Which is, Center. yeah, it's a pretty good show from what I understand. I want, I want him to pay us for that mention. <laughs> yeah, he's our sponsor, right, this week. 
right. The stuff that he makes I th- looks to me like he clearly knows what he's doing. And it's, I imagine that if you are somebody who is not as poorly palated as I am, that it would be terrific. I don't know if that I can use that word that way, but I'm doing it anyway. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just so bad with vegetables that I feel like I couldn't eat anything that he makes. I, well, I feel bad for you. I don't know what to say. <laughs> he's amazing yeah everything he makes is really fantastic for the most part i mean he does make a thing that i just i have to leave the house it's like these uh like deep fried um like well dried anchovies that are then deep fried and it's just the worst thing you've ever smelled ever <laughs> i think he made it when i was yeah. like like three months pregnant and i was still you know having a lot of morning sickness and i almost vomited it was just the worst but um yeah no he's an amazing cook and and most everything that he makes is fantastic he must be a good cook so that lasagna was the point at which you decided you needed to marry him well <laughs> when, you, when you met him you had the lasagna was, and that was it no he piqued my interest there but um yeah and well then um this friend of mine from high school ended up getting too drunk to drive us home i had get ridden with her in her car and her boyfriend who lived in st pete just like half an hour away um decided to take her home um with him and so then i was stuck at this party and um so nevin ended up giving me a ride back to my mom's house um and so Ooh, you know I, we were the last smooth, people there nevin. yeah it was it was really smooth and um yeah we just we had a really great conversation we just talked for a, a really long time and he kept showing me books and things I, I just remember him running to the bookshelf and grabbing things and, and then like like turning on little parts of movies to show me like we just had this fantastic amazing um conversation and then he drove me home and then I hung I was there for like another like week and a half or something um and we hung out a few more times and um you know romantic things happened but um but I lived in California so I was like well now now I have to go back to California so this sucks um but he um kept in touch and uh wrote me a lot and sent me amazing um mix CDs including like he made this like a wood-burned box that was like immaculately designed and this incredible little booklet for it and it was just the best mix CD um which is still prominently on display in our house. Uh, wow. That, but, and then, you know, that was just the first of many amazing mix CDs. So he kept... Uh, I'm taking yeah, notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, it worked. It worked really well. Yeah, so eventually we started officially dating. So we weren't officially dating, actually, for like a year. Um, and then we, we were officially a couple in uh, 2005, like February 2005, I think. Um, yeah, and then I... But I still had um, the rest of that year to finish school so that was hard that was like a long distance relationship for a little while and then um yeah then I finished school and I went back to Yosemite for one more summer um and he came and visited me in Yosemite which was fun um and then I drove cross country and had a long road trip and ended in Florida we stayed there for a couple months and then moved to Portland we've been here ever since you just up and moved to Portland what was the what was the driver for that oh well um it was mixed it was mainly me. Um, he wanted to get out of Florida, um, as all smart people do who live in Florida. <laughs> and um, no, that's, that's unfair. Our apologies to any of our listeners. Yeah, that, that's unfair. But, um, nah, move. Move, Floridians. Yeah, move. Trust it's Krista. Not, it's, it's nice to visit. It's, I'm happy that our, our families are there to visit. And um, it's nice, you know, around January when it's raining here. But anyway, uh, he wanted to get out of Florida. Um, I wanted to... Um, live somewhere. So I went to school in a really small town, Arcata. It was beautiful, like in Redwood National Park, sort of like sandwiched um, in between that and some other national parks and um, right on the coast in Northern California. And I knew I just wasn't going to get a real job there if I stayed in that little town. So I had to move to a big city and I love San Francisco, but it was really expensive. 
and I had been to Portland a couple of times and it felt, it felt like a very mal- mellow, like small San Francisco. So I thought it was a good alternative and I had friends that lived here already. So that's how I ended up here. I have to tell you, I'm still hung up on the mix CDs because I have two questions that are both echoing in my mind now. One's just, you know, do people still make mix CDs now? Because I feel like, or do they? Do yes. you just make a playlist and put it on a USB stick? And then I want to know. Because well, I think no, not even a USB. I think that what you do is you get a shared Dropbox folder, and it's not just mix CDs anymore. Like you put all kinds of interesting stuff into your shared Dropbox folder. I think that's what a modern romance would look like. I mean, Nevin and my um, our shared household folder has like tax information and boring stuff. But um, if we were freshly dating and Dropbox was a thing, I think there would be some amazing, great stuff in there. Uh, on iTunes, you can create an iMix and you can uh, gift it to somebody. Oh, so there you go. Smooth. Yeah, it's yeah, not as good as the uh, custom-made box. but Pretty great. I think there's a picture of it on my Flickr if you like, care to see it at some point. We'll have to put a link to it in the show notes. But, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of all the many ways that Nevin now shines me in this story. <laughs> I started dating my wife, Lauren, when we were in college, I guess our sophomore years of college. Um, and at her request, even, I believe I made her mix CDs at that time um, because we liked similar artists. But uh, because I listen to the music that I listen to, I listen to obsessively. So I own everything that those artists ever record. So she was like, you know, send me the make me something for me that has all the tracks I've never heard from these people. So I was doing that. Um, but you know, I, I certainly never made a fancy anything. No, I've never I, like I, I'm not good at uh, assembling things with my hands. The, the the I cannot create that form of art, tangible art, I guess. And so I'm just trying to think, man, like, and, you know, cooking, I, I cook sometimes, Lauren does the vast majority of our cooking, but I don't cook anything fancy or, you know, especially, especially impressive. So I'm just thinking it's, yeah, uh, you know, the, here's, here's art that I created for Lauren. I proposed <laughs> to Lauren with a song. Um, Cause you know, I, I had a uh, mostly self-taught on, on, piano keyboard whatever and so i had a keyboard in college that i had taught myself to play and i you know was writing a lot of weird songs as i was you know inclined to do about tivos and stuff <laughs> yes that came after college um but so you know when i was ready to propose to lauren i wrote this song and um i called her into we were in a a, a house together it was our senior year at this point and i called her and told her i'm like i have a new song i want to play for you and so i sing her the whole song it mentions her by name multiple times the last lyric of the song is so lauren will you marry me a pretty Aww. you know not not a very subtle song and lauren turns to me and she says and i'll never forget it that was a great song <laughs> and then she says no seriously that's 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 really that's one of the that's probably the best song I've heard you write so far. That was really good, <laughs> and I'm and I'm like, okay. And she said, uh, I'm, I'm serious. It was it was a really really good song. I'm like, you know what, Lauren? I'm gonna sing this one more time, and I want you to listen really closely. So I go through the entire song a second time, um, hit the last line again. Lauren, will you marry me? And that time she got it. I, I don't know how or why she missed it the first time, but that time she got it and she said yes, but then I wasn't sure. So then I switched to one knee and then I, I asked her to, I, you know, I double checked it. I asked if she wanted to sign something just to make sure she knew what she was getting into, but she did. It was, <laughs> you know, it was probably around 1230 a.m. at this point. And um, she still called her mom and woke her up. And her mom called us the next morning and said, uh, I had a dream that you got engaged last night. And Lauren said, no, no, I got engaged. <laughs> oh, nice. I'm pretty sure that That's that sweet. first time through, she was avoiding the question. 
Yeah. Like, oh, maybe if I just keep saying it was a really yeah. great song, we can pretend like that didn't happen. Awkward. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's it's possible I'm in a pity marriage right now. I'm, I'm not going to do With your, what, eight, <laughs> your eight pity children? Yeah, three kids. Married yeah. nine years, three Whatever. kids. So every three years or so, we have another kid. That's the math. That's a good plan. Good system. And they all have lice. Right. Oh, yeah, lice. How's, how's that going? Man, well, yes, it is true that uh, on the so my daughter just my oldest one is five and she just started public school, and on the second day of school, they sent home a note saying there's been a case of lice reported in your classroom and uh, you're screwed. Is basically the gist of the note. We check her and there's nothing, but then the next day she's scratching, and then after bath, I guess Saturday night, we see. Uh, you know, bugs in her hair. <laughs> and that started the nightmare. And it's pretty horrible. She's been an, imp- I, I, you know, she's been an extreme trooper through all of this. She, she didn't freak out. She's been curious about it. She's been sitting extremely patiently and you know, it's a five-year-old. So sitting patiently while somebody combs out your hair multiple times a day with one of those annoying lice. Like, is impressive. Yeah. No, I remember that I had lice in second grade. It's terrible. The magic for her is that while it's happening, she gets to read books and she loves chapter books. So she she actually thinks this is a dream come true because usually we're we're the mean parents who tell her, you know, you have to stop reading for a little while. And right now we're letting her read as much as she wants while we pick nits out of her hair. It's great. Oh, nice. Anyway, don't get lice. I find that uh, if you're trying to impress a girl, one thing you definitely don't want to give her is lice. <laughs> yeah. So, Dave, what have you created for your the, the women you court? Uh, I once made a stuffed animal for a girl. Like a -a Build-A-Bear or like from scratch? No, no, no. It was like by hand. I went to the store and I bought, uh, you know, fabric and yeah. That's very impressive. It it was, uh, well not, it it wasn't an animal. It was, uh, a blob. (laughs) It was a stuffed blob. (laughs) Well, this band that I used to be in, um, our logo, our our mascot, I guess was a a little ghost that I had designed. And I decided because I, I met this girl like right as I was in the recording studio and, like it was, so much of it was about uh, me trying to play up the rock star thing, trying to be a musician guy because that's cool and sexy. And uh, she had heard some early demos and she would heard some stuff out of the studio. So to keep along that thread, I had decided to uh, make her a stuffed plush version of the band's logo. So I went to the, the store and I figured out how to do it and I made one. I actually made two and the second one sat on top of the kick drum for a long time. You know, I, I mentioned Build-A-Bear because I worked there one summer. Really? I was... Did, was it was it the Build-A-Bear in the, the National Park? It was the, it was the <laughs> Build-A-Bear in the Freehold Raceway Mall in Freehold, New Jersey. So I got a job working the uh, stuffing machine at Build-A-Bear. <laughs> and my job was to... Wow. Well, my summer job I was like hearing you say stuffing machine. machine. Yeah, my job, my job was to embarrass uh, guys who were uh, on dates with girls, buying them... Stuffed animals, where you know, to is make that the guys really a like, thing? yeah, guys take yeah, their dates to was. build a bear. <laughs> well, like high school guys. Oh, okay, all right. I, I'd be, I'd be willing to bet that there's a, the the ratio of children getting bears to guys taking girls on bad dates. There, I'm betting that ratio is way off from what I would have expected. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say the children make up at best, at least this was years ago now, but at best, sixty percent of the clientele. Yeah, I believe that. That's, but yeah, I, I will say I was very good at the part of Build-A-Bear where I was supposed to, you know, embarrass the guys or get the kids excited about their animals they were creating. I was very bad at the part where I was supposed to sew up the bear again. Like it was, they had, they had these little strings that you're supposed to be able to pull and they tighten, but if the strings failed, you had to sew it up manually. And, um, 
I never learned. I would always have to take it to one of the elderly women who worked there uh, whenever that happened and make them sew it up for me. I just couldn't do it. Because like I said, I can't, once it involves my hands, I'm just totally incompetent. I've also written songs for girls. Oh, yeah, there you go. Not not quite the uh, Will You Marry Me song, but I've, I've written songs for girls. Really, you only have to write the Will You Marry Me song once, and then you just keep using it until somebody says yes. Uh, well, yours was good. Lauren, Will You Marry Me, right? That's true. So you have to you have to be proposing to a Lauren. Or someone with a two-syllable Lauren. name. Right. Exactly. So if it was, it was like Kim, I couldn't, I couldn't use that on Kim. Kim. I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> Kimmy? I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. You can make it work. You can make it scan. I have a custom ringtone on my phone from They Might Be Giants, and they sing my name in the song. But it's it's very clear that they made you know many dozens of these things, or probably hundreds of these things, and they just subbed in other people's names as needed. So, and I think that based on my custom They Might Be Giants ringtone, I would suggest that they probably didn't even care about syllable counts. (laughs) So I think you can make it work no matter what you do. Nice. Does it just say Lex, or does it say Lex Friedman, or whatever? It's 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 the full Lex Friedman. Wow. Here, I'll, I, I, will, I will see if I can give you a sample. Hang on, let's see if I can make it happen. Lex Friedman, your phone is ringing. I'm kind of jealous, I have to admit. How did how did you get where did this come from? What's the story of this ringtone? I'm kind uh, of a big they might be giants fan. I I'm I'm possibly the nerdiest they might be giants fan you will ever hope to meet, but it's uh it's not a super exciting story. It's merely that I am a member of their instant fan club. Um and with the They Might Be Giants Instant Fan Club for this year, if you signed up as a super president, which meant you paid more money, you got a custom ringtone where they sang your name. His previous ringtone was a woman screaming. <laughs> Lex Friedman, get away from me! Was my <laughs> That was the girl I dated before Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last girl he tried to Lauren, will you marry me? So <laughs> Yeah. My name's not even Lauren, she yelled. <laughs> And that's when Lex decided he meet, he needed to meet somebody named Lauren. Did did <laughs> Nevin have a, a creative proposal approach? Did you know it was coming? Was it a total surprise? Um, no, did it, it wasn't. No, there wasn't even like a real proposal. It was just sort of like, so when do you want to get married? Mm. This sort of a thing. Like, well, I don't know, April. Um, that's kind of <laughs> how it went. Well, that like, takes all the fun out of it. Yeah, well, it was no, it was it was fun. I mean, I think. Um, I think we just kind of knew because we had done like the long distance relationship thing, which is pretty hard to do. And, um, and, you know, we made it work. We moved to Portland together. So I think it was just sort of like, we knew we wanted to be together. We knew we wanted to get married at some point. And, and that was just kind of how it went one night as we were lying in bed and just like, well, when do you want to get married? Well, I don't, I don't know. April, let's do April. So how long do you think it was, uh, you know, in terms of your relationship, how much time had gone by when you reached the point where you're like, well, when do you want to get married? Um, I guess from when, from meeting him, it was about four years. Um, but from actually dating, um, three years. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause you know, Lauren and I, um, within our first couple weeks of dating acknowledged that we were going to get married one day. We didn't get engaged mm-hmm. or anything like that. And it was, that was our sophomore year. We didn't get engaged until our senior year, but for whatever reason, it just became immediately apparent to, uh, each other that, um, that we were done. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's yeah. I felt yeah. That's pretty much how 
how it was with us here. There's a there's this, uh, a hint of resignation. No, th- I I no I I think I said it in a way, Dave, that implied resignation. But this was this wasn't like a well shit. <laughs> this is this is as far as this train goes. This this it was very. It's just like uh, oh good <laughs> now I don't have to worry about that anymore. Right. Because this is the the perfect person, yeah. Maybe it's because I'm the single guy here, but I read it as, uh, well, fuck. Yeah, I guess you're good enough. Let's get married. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't get any better than this. Well, it didn't feel that way. Lauren doesn't listen to this podcast, and I will still tell you it didn't feel that way. It was very nice. Yeah. It was just nice. It was was definitely, definitely a good thing, and we were, you know, comfortable enough that it was just like, yeah, well, let's, let's do it. Did you have a traditional wedding, a hippie wedding somewhere in between? <laughs> oh, definitely. A, well, I wouldn't say it was a hippie wedding, but um, so it was performed by um, my friend Tim in, um, well, our friend Tim, obviously, in a park in Florida, like a state park. Um, and Tim was a ranger in Yosemite, and he wore his ranger uniform, which I think is illegal, <laughs> technically. Um, but he, uh, so he got ordained online so he could. Uh, so his he whole could marriage is a sham. Him. He was in the ranger uniform. <laughs> Yeah. And well, yeah. And actually when he, when he, um, finished the wedding, what he said was something like, um, by the power vested in me and, uh, the national park system, I, you know, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Was pretty and then he advised everybody to, uh, tie their food up in a tree so that it didn't affect right. bears. Yes. Make sure. <laughs> Guys, eat all the food at this reception quickly because of bears. Um, we will attract wildlife. So it was outdoor in Florida. Was isn't that like asking for trouble either from extreme heat or rain? Um, yeah, but you know it worked out really well. It was um, so it was April fifth, um, which is usually pretty nice. It's like the tail end of the really beautiful weather actually in Florida. So it's just starting to get hot in April. Um, so it was like in the eighties and. It was very windy, but it didn't rain. Um, and it was, we were under a covered shelter anyway. It was like on gotcha. a lake. Um, and there was like a, a, you know, really big picnic shelter that was covered. So, was it swarming with old people? Um, no, it wasn't. Not on this day. They were, um, oh, I think it was bingo day, Saturdays. <laughs> That's, oh. they're all down at the. I, I, this this reminds me of a, a question that comes up in my life again and again. And I will welcome both of your insights on this. I, I happen to have this fear of outdoor weddings, especially if they're very formal, because I tend to get very hot. And when I get hot, I sweat and I don't like to sweat, especially if I'm in fancy clothes. Um, but I always have this debate as recently as a couple of weeks ago, I was in L.A. for my sister's wedding. And I don't normally I'm not normally an undershirt kind of guy. But if I'm going to wear a tuxedo, I think maybe I'll wear an undershirt so that it's, you know, it's an extra barrier if I do get really hot. But of course, the undershirt makes you hotter still. So I want to know where yeah. both of you come down on the undershirt for extra protection except it also makes you hotter debate um you know i think if you got um sort of a performance fabric undershirt that'd be good like a, a moisture wicking right, sort of right. a performance undershirt. that's just gonna pull the moisture into the shirt though isn't it maybe i'm not really sure how that all <laughs> how that works but, i don't um, know the science nice. dave yeah no. um but it's gonna pull the moisture away from your skin which i think will make you more comfortable and um and you're gonna be hot either way, so you know. At least then you won't have sweat stains as much, yeah. you know, because the shirt will hold. Hopefully, I mean, I think that's how that works. I'm not really sure though. Like I said, that's what I'd go with, but I don't have to really would, deal with those sorts of things. I would happily have all of my sweat glands turned off. <laughs> if I could just never sweat again, I'd be okay with that. I don't even think of myself as an extreme sweater. It's just that, which should totally be an Olympic sport. But it, I just feel like if you could. I don't know when you're putting on, there's a lot of ingredients to men's formal wear 
and it's all it's not like you can there's no short sleeve tuxedo at least not that i've ever seen so you know women get to wear these light airy dresses i've seen the tuxedo shirts you know just a t-shirt with sort of that's not the same that doesn't count (laughs) no women can wear these like low cut things with the the yeah lots of cleavage so like the entire upper third of your torso is exposed to uh, light breezes. Well, you usually have to wear uh, some like breezes. strange underwear with those too, though. Sort of like some structurally sound. <laughs> In case of an earthquake. <laughs> yeah, you have to wear other weird things. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is true. So I, I think that women's formal wear can, especially if you have to get into the fancy, goofy underwear. And I've, I'm an expert on all of this, I suppose, as a man. But I feel like women's You're are the probably... the expert on getting into fancy, goofy underwear? Yes. I feel like that women's formal wear tends to be more uncomfortable, especially once, like, crazy heels are involved in things. Yeah, but once that you men's is just way hotter. Terrible. Oh, we hotter in terms of temperature. Oh. oh, that's nice. nice. I appreciate that. I'm going to do that. You can't. Their, their wedding already happened. Oh, you mean at your wedding? If, yeah, if I if I ever get married. That's so was so was everybody in Chucks or was that just the wedding party? Yeah, yeah green Chucks. So I had a really um lovely but simple wedding dress and sort of like a, a vintage like fifties like feather headpiece and and then some green chucks. Believe it or not, I'm wearing green chucks right now. Oh perfect. I'm not wearing any footwear right now. He's not wearing anything at all. <laughs> That's false. Lex does the show naked. I have a hat. See, okay, so I mean, if you okay, so if your wedding was outdoors and you were wearing sneakers, then I'm. I mean, maybe it wasn't a hippie wedding, but it was. You did you did a wedding that was not high. It was on funky, formal. yeah. Right, it was a funky. Yeah, wedding. it was That's our bad. own thing. Yeah, it was definitely non traditional. Um, nice time outdoors. Um, sort of a barbecue, very casual sort of an ordeal. I really like the idea of a barbecue wedding. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nevin's parents made most of the food. The, well, the cake was, um, you know, the cake was was done professionally. And our friend Aspen actually um, is a really amazing sculptor and miniaturist, and he made the cake topper. Um, so he sculpted Nevin and I, um, like sort of on this um, little wooden pedestal with like a little picket fence around us, and that was our cake topper. And that was That's awesome. pretty awesome. Also on Flickr. Was the wooden pedestal? Um a facsimile of the box that the mix CDs had come in? No, it's just a round, it's just like a round disc, basically. You just had to put us on something. Um, but round, yeah, like it's, a um, CD. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Lex is just trying to tie it back together. <laughs> yeah, I'm unrelated. Well, uh, I'm just, I'm mostly just offended that uh, I wasn't invited. I mean, not that I knew either of you at that time, but still. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty good time. It's so weird for me when when we have people on the show talking about their kids or or wives or or whatever. I I always I've got nothing to say to that. <laughs> do you want to be married one day, Dave? Is that something that you see in your future, or do you think that's that's just totally crazy talk? Oh, I have no idea. I don't like to make plans. I'd like to meet somebody that I'd be willing to marry. I'd like to be in the kind of relationship where I would say I could marry this person. Oh, that's definitely a good start. Well, Dave, listen if if we're both forty. I'll marry you. <laughs> you can't do that, Lex. Well, not yet. That only works if if we're both single, right? Uh, yeah, you're right. And for all of its problems, I I do enjoy being single. Is that because you like making things like mix CDs and iTunes playlists? Part of it. I'm really good at the first part of a relationship where you're doing stuff like that. It's the middle stuff I'm really bad at. 
<laughs> so I just try to be early in a relationship as often as I can. <laughs> that's a that's an interesting long term plan. I like that. <laughs> Not actually a plan; it just happens to work out that way. Yeah. Well, Dave, I feel for you. I'm going to start looking for women for you now. Marryable women. Not that you have to marry them, but I'm going to try to start finding marryable women. Try to keep them in uh, the 48, lower 48, if you could, please. Well, I just got back from being in Amsterdam for three months, and that was uh, me chasing a girl. How'd that work out? (laughs) It ended. (laughs) Now the podcast got sad. Well, no, I I was out in Amsterdam for a conference a few months ago, and I met a girl, and... uh, we we kept things going while I I was back home and I had said hey what if I came back and she's like you got to come back you got to come back we'll we'll have the whole summer and we'll figure it out when that's done so I go back and I'm thinking this is going to be amazing this is going to be a, a, a huge great experience and I get there and uh, she more or less had no time because she was really busy with school because this project had had uh, gotten rejected she had to redo this whole thing and it just didn't work out oh. I'm sorry Dave no oh, that's a bummer yeah well. At least, at least I only dropped everything and moved to another continent. <laughs> well, I mean, the nice thing is if you're gonna if you're going to break up with someone who you you know are really interested in, it's nice to at least be on Amsterdam so you can instantly immediately be on vacation. Yeah, and that's kind of how it worked out. Uh, I'm really happy that that we broke up so early in my trip. <laughs> get it over with because then i had yeah the, right. the last month and a half or two months or whatever was just me hanging out in amsterdam i traveled around europe i went to paris i went to uh belgium it was cool couldn't do all that stuff with uh dragging a girl around with me right girls hate traveling around. you're right i'm gonna just yes you could good thing she dumped you because that made you now you got to travel oh around. the best part is how she did it via text message no yeah, when you moved yeah, to yeah. another another continent? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's that's really mean. If you can court people with iTunes playlists, I think it's only fair to say you can dump them over text message. At least was it an iMessage at least? Is she using an iPhone? <laughs> no, it was uh she doesn't have an iPhone. It was uh she has a, an Android, so she did it with no, WhatsApp. No. No. Wait, does WhatsApp give you red status? Like do you know when the message is read? Yep. Okay. So, all right. As long as she knew that she read it, because if she just sent a text message, that's too unreliable. That should have been a big indication to you, though, right there, Dave, from the very beginning. That's a deal breaker for me now. Yeah, that's just not going to work. We'll say when I met Lauren and when I married Lauren, she was a Windows user, and uh, now she uses a MacBook. Well, I mean, she was willing to convert. Mm. You know, that's that's real love. And although she said that she wasn't willing to convert, and we talked about it as a mixed marriage, and then after some point, she had you know whatever latest malware destroying her computer and i said this is it we're getting you a mac and she said fine and now she loves it so it all worked out i knew i was in trouble when we were riding on a tram one day and we went by the apple store and i said hey it's the new apple store and charlotte's response is oh, i hate apple <laughs> i should have just booked my ticket home right then but i don't regret it i'm glad i did it i'm glad i went over there because a lot of people would say things to girls like i would cross oceans for you whatever that kind of high school sentimentality bullshit i actually do it so as stupid as I am, I'm, I'm the kind of stupid that I want to be. That's sweet. If you come to New Jersey, I promise not to dump you. <laughs> Why do you think I haven't gone to Jersey? 